0: Hey, great to be with you guys. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, met some of you. If I haven't met yet, my name's Carter Moss, pastor down at New Break Ocean Beach. Swapped with Danny today, so he's down there speaking at OB. I told him to make sure where it's flip-flops on stage. I get to be up here with you guys. Uh, if you're brand new, if it's your first time here, please don't judge the rest of New Break just by me. So don't like reserve, wait for next week. I don't, I don't, I don't want to like crash your experience. So, uh, Pastor Mike will be back actually uh, next week, well he's here today, but he'll be back speaking next week, actually kick off a brand new uh, series for you on a book of the Bible that I don't really know of hardly any other church uh, that's ever really taught from, so it's going to be super fun. Uh, We get to jump into Malachi, but uh, today it's really nice of them to give me really the best Sunday of the year because... Uh, it's the one where we got an extra hour of sleep. So I know you're extra awake, lots of energy. I figured since we got an extra hour, we'll just go an extra hour or so at church. So if you're cool with that. cuz so I kind of got a lot to say. So uh, just kidding. It's all right. I got to get home and watch my football team too. So, uh, so we'll get out of here. But uh, no, really glad you're here. Uh, Pastor Mike asked me to speak uh, on a certain topic. It was really nice for him to ask for that topic because if he would have said, you know what, Carter, honestly, you can speak on anything you want. This is the one I would have picked anyway. So it's nice when it lines up like that. Uh, something that honestly, it just gets me out of bed in the morning. It's just something that God really is doing in me. He's doing in our church, and, and I hope He'll do it in you. So, uh, so I'm excited that we get to talk about it today. Uh, I thought rather than just start with a bunch of answers, what we're talking about—that's too easy. Everybody starts with answers. Let's uh, let's let's start with some questions. Uh, kids are the best at asking questions. If you have kids, you know they're just question-asking machines. They're coming all the time. I got three kids. They're older now. They're teenagers. And, uh, and even a couple in college. Turns out they still ask lots of questions. They're just way harder questions now. So I, I thought I was unqualified as a parent before. Now I really feel it. And, uh, but we, we also have a preschool at our OB campuses there every day. Cute kids run around all the time. And they're always asking great questions. It's awesome. There's one, one little boy. Some of the questions are really hard, though. One, one little boy asks, so how come spiders don't get caught in their own web?" Oh, that's good. I really have no idea. That's why I don't work at a preschool. I'm not uh, smart enough to know that stuff. Uh, one little girl, here's a tricky one. She said, so how do mermaids go potty? And I just didn't really know, and I honestly don't really want to get into that, especially not at church, so uh, I don't know. I guess I guess uh, Google it, little girl, because I don't know. Um, now, one, uh, one little boy says, so, so do quesadillas grow on trees? And I said, well, not yet, but keep dreaming, keep dreaming, because, you know, maybe God will do that. No, no joke, on Friday, though, uh, a little kid came up and asked me this question I've never been asked in my whole life. He came up, because I came up, like, kind of out of my church office and walked by all the little kids say hi. And no joke, so OK kid goes, are you God? <laughs> I mean, that's a heavy question. I've never been asked that in my life. And I was like, wow, uh, well, no, no. Uh, but then I started to realize I think I just look old to him. It's the gray and the beard. And then I'm like, well, I'm not God. He's a lot older than me and like better looking than me and stuff. But yeah, we want to help people know God. Anyway, kids always got questions. As adults, we're always asking questions. We ask some heavier ones, some harder ones, right? We're all you know, always kind of reflecting, you know, am I where I want to be in life? Where do I want to go next? My career, you know, what's my what's my purpose in life? All these all these big grand questions. Uh, I want to share with you a question today that really God used it totally unexpectedly to really just kind of shape the whole rest of how I do ministry or as a pastor. And also even just me as a Jesus follower. Just as a guy trying to figure out how to, how to live out my faith, uh, this question just hit me. And the first time I heard it uh, a few years ago, I got kind of like the Holy Spirit chills, you know, holy, holy goosebumps, the goosies or whatever you want to call it. And uh, is that what J-Lo calls it? So, uh, so I got that and uh, so I hope God uses it in you. And, and here's the question, goes like this, that if your church were to ever have to close down and shut its doors, that does happen to churches all over America every, every week, would your community even notice? Would they even care? Would they just say, hey, free building, right? Building opened up, cool. Maybe it'll become a cool coffee shop, maybe a hair salon, maybe a chicken restaurant, right? Maybe that's what it'll be. Or would they really, you know, would they really miss it? Or do churches often just become like a little little country club for Christians, right? Anybody, the people that go to the country club miss it, but nobody else really cares. You know, it can become kind of country club for Christians. I pay my membership dues, so I better get some good uh, membership benefits here, you know? Show up to a few events, or would they miss it? You know, just recently, a uh, little local business in OB that's been there for a long time. Just closed down. It's called, uh, it's called the Lazy Hummingbird, and this a really cute little coffee shop. Super cool, and uh, our whole town is really grieving the loss of this place, and part of how I know we have really active uh, Facebook groups in our community, 9,000, 10,000 people on there, and you get to hear their thoughts all, all day and night long. Uh, but uh, So people are like, man, we're just really going to miss those guys. they were so good. I mean, not just good coffee, really fun place to hang out. They hosted open mic night events. They donate coffee at Obie Elementary School that some friends of mine give out every Friday to parents during drop-offs. They sponsor all our local community events, and the town really misses them. And I thought, man, do people feel that about a church, about a group of Jesus followers? Right? Would they ever say, you know what? We're gonna miss those guys. We're gonna miss that church. They they made our town better. They shared their building with us. We all got to go in there and do stuff. They're so good with kids. They're really good with teenagers. Right? They know how to how to take care of our teens. Give them stuff to keep them out of trouble. They're always helping sponsor all the things in our, in our community. They're always donating to places. They help people when we know they're struggling with, you know, maybe divorce or kind of addiction recovery. Would people miss us? Would they care? You know, when I first heard that question, uh, I was pastoring at a it was similar multi-site church like this in the suburbs of Chicago. I was there for uh, doing that for nine years. And when I first heard the question, I thought, no, no. I don't think anybody would miss us. I mean, my campus, we had a great little campus, so proud of them. And uh, I thought we were doing great stuff. But as I thought about it, I thought, oh, I don't think we're making any difference outside of this building, you know? So a few people would miss us, but I don't think the community would. And now that I've been here at New Break, I'm a lot closer to being able to say yes, not just at Ocean Beach, but uh, but 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 kind of all across New Break here. And uh, I-, I want you to know, here's why this is such an important question, all right? Because this gets at the heart of what God's primary purpose for us as a church, as a community, a family of these followers, and for you, for you individually as a Christ follower, that we are meant to have a faith that has consequence to it, that actually makes a difference in our world. That's good news to a world that's wondering, does anybody care? Is anybody making a difference? All the generations are wondering that. And God says, yes, that actually is my primary purpose for you. And maybe you have felt like, something's missing in the Christian life. Maybe you're like, so is this it? I'm just a little busier on Sundays. You know, I throw a few bucks in sometimes. I try to participate a couple good deeds of the, of the year, like, and that's it? The rest of my life's pretty much the same, and the, burning, the world's still burning around me, and you know, like, is that it? Or maybe you're newer. Maybe someone kind of dragged you to church. You're not even sure you buy into the whole Bible thing, Jesus thing yet. We're glad you're here, by the way. Keep coming back. It's a safe place for you to wrestle and explore that But maybe you're wondering, like, is that it? You guys just kind of exist, you're just like a nonprofit, and you just try to kind of further yourself. Maybe you've wondered that, or maybe you are content. Well, I'm going to try to make you discontent today, if that's okay. We call it a holy discontent. Holy discontent. That God, really, His purpose for you individually and for us collectively is so much bigger. And before we jump into the passage I want to live in for a little bit today, I just want to show you super quick, all right, why and how we know this is God's purpose from the very beginning. So real quick, look at the very beginning, book of Genesis, all right, where everything kind of gets kicked off, and God comes to a guy named Abraham, we don't have time to tell his whole story, he's a faithful guy following God, and God says something to Abraham that's so important because God says it to you. Because the power of these Bible stories isn't just that they happened a long time ago in a land far, far away. It's that these Bible stories still happen. So God still shows up to people. He shows up to you. And he says, go. He says, go. And for a lot of you, you went. A few of you are, are incredibly rare unicorns. you actually uh, born and raised in San Diego. But, uh, but for a lot of you, God says, go. And for at least this season in your life, you went and you landed here. And God says, go and all the places you've been sent to, off to school, off to all the different places you've moved to in your life. God says, go. He says, when you get there, I'm going to bless you. I love those promises from God, right? So I'm going to bless you, make you great. And then he says, and then you will be a blessing. He says, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. My blessing will flow to you, and then it's meant to flow out through you. And God says this to anyone who decides to become a Jesus follower. Your conversion is your commissioning. This isn't just for the pastors or the missionaries or the Mother Teresa's. This is like anyone who says, I want to follow Jesus, God says, well, good, because I'm going to bless you, and you're meant to be a blessing. And so the whole rest of the story of the Bible, of our history as humanity, is God saying, I want you, my blessing is going to flow through you to other people. Let me show you one other spot real quick in Old Testament, because God's blessing is actually tied in to place. And I think that's something we never think about. Or maybe that's just me because I can be kind of slow sometimes. Uh, I, never, I never realized that after, even after, I was, after I was Christian for a long time. That God wants to bring blessing to the place that you're at, where you live, where you work, where you hang out and go to school and surf and work out. God wants to bring blessing there. We read an awesome verse in uh, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet. And most people know one great verse out of the book of Jeremiah 29, 11. God's speaking about blessing again. He says, uh, I have great plans for you, prosper you, bless you, but we got to back up. Back up a few verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, and God says it's actually tied to place. Now, God was speaking this through Jeremiah, by the way, to people living in a place that nobody wanted to live there. They were actually, imagine this, being dragged out of the town you're living in and forced to live in a place you don't want to live. They were forced to live in Babylon. As exiles, nobody wanted to be there. So it'd be like you being dragged out of here and forced to live in Canada, and just nobody wants to be there. So let's be honest, just kidding. Jesus loves Canadians. It's okay. You don't have to be offended. And uh, so, so, so God dragged them there, and I'm sure they're praying God, I can't wait till you take us out of here. Send us back home. I don't want to live here. And here's God's answer for them You know what I want you to do there? I want you to build houses, I want you to settle down, plant gardens, eat what it produces. He says, I want you to marry and have kids. And he goes on, talks more about family, grandkids, all these things. And then he says this powerful thing. He says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city into which I've carried you into. Pray to God for it. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. And so God says, I want you to, to uh, pray your city to look for its peace and its prosperity for your town, for Tier Santa Claremont." Ocean Beach or where you're at in San Diego. Do we, do we ever pray for it? Do we ever care much about how it really turns out? It's, I don't really care. I got enough of my own problems, right? So we don't think about the place that we live. But God says the peace and prosperity of where I live is tied to my own prosperity. That's interesting. We already know some of that. You know this. If you're, the better your town does, the better you do because the schools get better. Your property values go up, right? So God was right. I mean, my town does well. I do well. But I believe he meant also in some spiritual and even mysterious way. As it prospers, you prosper. God wants to bring blessing into every community. And so where we're at, he calls us to be this force of blessing where we go. And I want to talk about how we do that today. That's a big conversation. There's a lot of pieces of how. We're just going to look at one thing. Just one and if we can get good at this, it helps you know uh, how in the world do you just wake up out of bed every day and go to work or go to school and be this force of blessing? And it all begins here, and it's something that I think is very overlooked and very uh, underrated, and it's the idea of listening, learning how to listen, not just to people. I want to teach you how to listen to your community and to even where you work and go to school, and so really learning how to listen. Uh, the inventor of the stethoscope said, listen to your patients because they're telling you how to heal them, and so if we want to know, I don't know how to how, how, how do I bring blessing to people? What does that even mean? Well, if we listen to them first, we will know how to bring them healing, how to bring them hope. Jesus, by the way, was a great listener. Uh, I think Christians are supposed to be known as really good listeners. I don't know if we're known as that, at least for a while, anyway, for for uh, several decades. Christians weren't known as great listeners. Nobody's like, I love those Christians because they're always the first ones to just really sit and just listen to you, eh? just ask you good questions. I think we're known as the talkers. They're the first ones that want to preach at you. They always got their bullhorns ready, ready to air all their own opinions and all their ideas and telling you everything you should do. We're meant to be great listeners. Jesus was an incredible listener. I believe that's part of what drew people to him. And Jesus, believe it, I I don't know if you knew this, he actually is, is known for his great questions as for his statements. Did you know this? As you look through the four Gospels, Jesus actually asked 307 different questions total, uh, which I will now read to you each one of those so that you can really get an idea. So... No, let's don't do that. Uh, But no, he asked a whole bunch of questions, right? And some of them, uh, I mean, very memorable ones. Uh, Some of you are familiar with some of the gospel stories and some of you are newer. Fine either way. Uh, One of the great things he asked, I love this one. I need to remember this one every week. He says, who of you by worrying could add a single hour to your life? Oh, that's good. I need that during the week. One of his favorite ones asked was this, who do people say that I am? That's a good question even in 2019 in San Diego. Who do people say that I am? You should go survey people in OB about that. You get some, uh, some interesting answers. He loved asking that. Here, here's one of his really profound ones. He says, what good does it do somebody to gain the whole world and just end up forfeiting their soul in the process? He had a lot of great questions. His favorite one he ever asked that I love and I use this question almost daily is, do you have anything to eat? So I love that Jesus asked that because uh, I just like to eat. And so I tell people I'm just being really biblical when I ask that. So. <laughs> I'm really glad that he asked that often. Uh, he did. Uh, so, no, but really, my really favorite question of his, and it, and it happened one time, he was, he was kind of on his way from, from one place to another place. He's a busy guy, and, you know, he's doing his jesus things that he does, and so, so he's on his way as sort of his entourage around him, and they're all with him, and there's a couple blind guys on the side of the road, and of course, they can't see him, but they hear him come, and they hear all the commotion, they shout out, hey, son of man, hey, Jesus over here. And, of course, Jesus' followers, being so kind, they're like, shut up, like, <laughs> leave, right? Uh, yeah, they don't get it yet, so, like, you know, leave him alone, he's busy, You he do not have time for you, shut up, right? Here's what's so cool about Jesus, he always has time, right? he always has time, I need to learn that, people, and so, one of, the, one of the great phrases about Jesus, Jesus stopped, isn't that cool? He stopped, no matter how busy he is, he stops. To listen to you so he stops and he asks him this incredibly simple yet profound jesus question what do you want me to do for you that's so cool that's so backwards I mean, if he's going to stop they should say jesus what can we do for you we're here to serve you well actually uh the verse right before this story jesus says whoever among you wants to be the greatest needs to be the servant and then it's almost like he says now let me show you how and so he asks this incredibly servant must What would you like me to do for you? How can I bring blessing into your life? I love, by the way, that Jesus didn't make assumptions. He could have been like, all right, well, let me just, boom, you're healed of blindness, right? Took care of that one and keep going. He really wanted to know what he could do. What if blindness wasn't their main need? You know, we're allowed to use our spiritual imagination with Scripture, right? So what if if one of the guys is, you know what I really need, Jesus? I'm not worried about blindness. I've been blind since birth. I got used to that. In fact, my other senses are amazing now. What I really need you to do is help my marriage. He asked. He began with that question. And I know it doesn't seem like a profound question, but I'll show you just a, a few little stories here. Honestly, that's, I'm not really any smarter than knowing this question, and that's all that we've done And Walk Around Ocean Beach is what do you want me to do for you? And God's just done like, incredible stuff through it. So we can listen. You can listen in places that, that you go to school and work, hang out, your apartment complex or your street or wherever you're at, military housing, all these places, and just say, what do they need? What do you want me to do for you? We can learn how to not just listen to people, although Jesus understood that every person is a story. They don't just have stories. They are a story. But we can learn to listen to our communities, both places we live but also the places that we, that we work and that we're at. And, that, and I, I want to show today, spend a little bit of time in, in this uh, great story uh, from the Apostle Paul. He lived this out really better than anybody I know. These teachings of Jesus, so look at the book of Acts, and uh, I'm going to give you a, just a little sneak preview hint. Don't tell Pastor Mike I told you, but we're, we're going to spend most of 2020 actually in the book of Acts, and, uh, which I love. So you get a little taste of it now, because it's awesome, because basically the beginning of churches, the beginning of Christians going, what do we do now? Jesus isn't here anymore, and just the powerful work of God, so we'll get a lot out of it. But here's a little preview out of the book of Acts. So Apostle Paul, he's this guy used to be anti-Jesus, then he met Jesus, then he became pro-Jesus, and then he spent the rest of his life just trying to spread the good news of Jesus. But he was really good at listening to his community, and he was in a lot of communities. And by Acts chapter 17, he just got done doing, uh, talking about Jesus in the town of Berea, Uh, He gets his friends, drop him off in Athens, Greece. So he's in Athens. Of course, you know Athens, still around today. Uh, Back then, it was like the university center of Greece, center of all thought, philosophy, all those guys we used to learn about in school, Socrates, Plato, all those guys. They were all in Athens, Greece. And so Paul is in this town, and he didn't plan to stay there. He wasn't even moving there. He was just kind of passing through. But check out what he did while he's there. While Paul was waiting for his friends in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Like literally little statues all over of all these different gods. Some, uh, some scholars have said there were 30,000 gods in Athens. That's more gods than people in Athens. I mean, Paul's just seeing it everywhere. So, he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. Pretty cool. Paul didn't spend all his time debating church people at church. He spent time out in the marketplace day by day. That's where you are. That's where we need you. Don't spend all week here. We don't want to see you all week. Don't spend all week here, right? Go to where you live and work, in the marketplace. That's where Paul was. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. That's two different groups of people. One uh, are total atheists. They don't think there's any God at all. The other just thinks God just sort of this universal force that's everywhere. And so they're debating with them. Some of them ask, what's this babbler trying to say? They're, you know, they're trash talking a little bit. What's this guy babbling on about? Others say he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And no joke, some of these guys thought, oh, Paul's telling us about two more gods. Now we have 30,002 gods. Uh, One of them is named Jesus, and the other is named Resurrection. Like, no joke. I mean, that's what they thought. They just have never heard this. So they're just saying, well, what is this all about, right? So then they took him. They brought him to a meeting of the Oropagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. We would like to know what they mean. Ooh, they're hungry to learn more. They're thirsting for more, almost like Paul was being salt, and they're thirsty for more. It says all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I didn't know they had Facebook back then. That's kind of cool, but uh, is that what it is? Just sharing our own opinions all the time, listening to everybody else's. So that's what they did. Uh, Paul then stood up in the meeting, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found one altar with this inscription. It says, to an unknown God. Imagine that. Just here's a statue. What's its name? Unknown God. Yay, let's worship him. That's awesome, right? Well, That's just crazy. Like, we don't even know him, but yes, let's, let's, let's worship and follow him. He says, you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship. This is what I'm going to proclaim to you. This is what I'm going to tell you about. He walked around. He listened. He saw they were very religious You would find that in Ocean Beach as well. A lot of spirituality, a lot of religion around. Paul says, let me tell you about it, though. And so there's a lot we learn from how Paul did this, and it starts here. And Some of you, maybe you've done this already, but maybe you haven't. Have you asked God yet to move your heart for the people that you're around right now? I think when it gets hardest and when we feel like we're just passing through, I know for some of you, you've landed in San Diego, this was your dream, you're here to stay. You know, until you die. And uh, I think you made a good choice because it's a pretty awesome place live out your life. Others of you are like, honestly, I'm just passing through military. I'm only here, you know, three years or just for a little bit or I'm only here long enough to save up money to get a place or I plan to retire wherever else. Remember, all these stories, listen, Jeremiah didn't plan to stay in Babylon. Right? Paul wasn't going to stay in Athens. Jesus wasn't planted right there. He's on his place somewhere else. It doesn't matter. If you're in San Diego for a few months or the next several decades, I believe God called you right here right now to be a blessing to seek the peace and prosperity where you're at. And so we ask, God, move my heart. You see, Paul, greatly distressed. It hurt him to see people hurting, to see them so lost. Great story of Jesus. He gets to sit over and just look out over Jerusalem and, and, and it says he just wept over it. He, just, he sees the brokenness. Maybe you see that in your apartment complex or on your street or even in your office Where you work, God, move my heart for the people that I'm around. And then after that, Paul actually spent time. Again, remember, he wasn't planning to stay, but he looked. He watched. He listened. He paid attention. I love that he walked around. He looked carefully. And then he says, and this is what I've seen, and so this is how I'm going to make the gospel fit for you. Paul adapted uh, the gospel to fit for his context, and we're called to do that. We figure out what makes this good news to this group of people by listening and walking around. And we can do that where we live at. I think we all kind of assume, wasn't that what, like, I mean, overseas missionaries do that? You know, if you're going to go, like, do missionary work in the, in the jungles of Africa, yeah, I mean, you've got to go there and you've got to learn their food and learn their language and learn all their customs, and then you can kind of figure out how to do it. But what I think we miss is we're meant to do that not just overseas missionaries. You're meant to do that right here where you live. I had to do that. God had to teach me how to do that. I moved my family here uh, five and a half years ago uh, from the Midwest. I'd, only, I'd grown up in Iowa and then ended up in Chicago for a while. And uh, then we came to this crazy, quirky place called Ocean Beach. Uh, I thought it sounded nice because it's like ocean and beach. And I'm like, I mean, that just sounds like a pretty beautiful place. I'll go suffer for Jesus there if I have to. So, uh, so I did that. And uh, Pastor Mike let me come try that. And so, so we moved out here, and honestly, totally different place. I had to learn the language, I had to learn the food, I had to learn the customs. I mean, I mean, think I, there's all sorts of foreign foods here I've never seen in my life. I'm telling you, in Midwest, we would never put fish on a taco. That's a disgusting idea. <laughs> fish? Right? Like fish sticks? Like, what do you mean, on a taco? Because we don't know. That's the only fish we ever eat. And so uh, I get out here, I've got to be honest, though, I'm totally hooked now. So now... Now I have to confess to God off in my gluttony of, uh, of fish tacos. Because no B I I found a place with salmon tacos and spicy shrimp tacos. But anyway, it's almost lunch, so I should stop talking about food for you. <laughs> but I had to learn that. I didn't even know. I'd never tried one in my life. Then there's foods that, honestly, I thought are made up. Acai. I've never seen an acai tree. <laughs> Is this even a real thing? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, you put it in a bowl, and then you just eat it, and then it's good. I mean, I don't know. All right? So there's all these foreign foods. Kombucha. I mean, just stuff that, honestly sounds made up. But I trust you that it's real. So, um, so I've had to learn all these different foods because, you know, I pretty much eat like meat and potatoes and corn. And so, uh, so this stuff is different. I had to really learn the language. It took me a long time to stop saying pop all the time. People would make fun of me and I have to learn that it's soda for some reason. and All these things. I learned how to use words like, hey, I'm stoked. Are you stoked? We're all stoked, right? And so we do that. Sometimes Mike's like, you're not using it right. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm working on it. So I mean, I'm still learning some of the language. I have to learn all the customs. And in OB, actually, I had to learn some new smells that we don't really have in the Midwest. I actually had no idea there were so many skunks in Ocean Beach. It was really weird. I don't feel like I ever see them, but, man, they sure are spraying all the time. I don't know. I had to, I had to teach my kids about that, too. So, um, so I had to really learn, like, the town that I'm in. And, uh, and you have to learn it, too. Right? So where you're at. Because, I mean, think about it. Even the places you're sent to work, they have a whole different set of language. I mean, military, man, I not even come close to learning all the acronyms, right? I and mean, you have your own language. You even go go work at Starbucks. They got all their own language, right? All these words from their own culture. You learn where you go, and that's how you're a missionary, right? So I learn it and embed it and be in it. Now I know how to bring good news to people. So how do we listen? What are we listening for anyway? What does that even mean? Well, here's a few of the questions we ask. And again, you can ask it of the school or where you work or even your little street or even a whole town. Where's my community hurting? What do they need? What do they celebrate? That's what I've asked a lot around OB and learned a lot of it. Again, social media groups have actually been uh, one of the greatest tools that really know pastor in the the, or no, no Christ follower in the history of our world has gotten to have is we literally get to hear what people are thinking and feeling all day long, whether you want to or not. Um, many days I don't want to, but it's given me just incredible insights. And so uh, that, and just you know, just as we're out meeting people, uh, one of the things we're about OB, where they hurt, you know, if you look at it from the outside, you'd say, oh, yeah, you guys definitely struggle with, I mean, homeless has got to be your biggest issue there, homelessness and crime and all that. And yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely one of the biggest ones. We're figuring out how to navigate it well as a church. Um, but I actually don't think that's people's biggest fear, biggest need in OB. Uh, part of what I've learned is I believe people's deepest fear is uh, fear of losing their identity as a town because they have this, this vision, and you can decide whether you think it's accurate or not, but it's the last real remaining authentic beach town that hasn't been changed and gentrified and all this. So anything that threatens that just, like, drives people crazy and gets them so full of fear. Like, for example, earlier this year, a Target tried to open in our town. <gasps> What? A target? You would think people, people lost their mind. People are picketing the streets or wearing T-shirts, no target. It's a target, right? But it's speaking of their deepest fear. It's going to come in and then everything's going to change. It's actually a pretty nice target, by the way. I've been in there. But don't tell anyone that I've been in there. <laughs> I only wear a disguise if I go in. But, you uh, know, but, right? Because they just had this huge fear. They did the same thing with Starbucks, tried to come in and all these things, right? There's just this deep fear. So what could we do as a church to add to the town and say, hey, you know what? We know that you have an identity. We want to help you do that. And let me show you a couple of things we've done. One of the pieces of our identity is uh, love art. I read there's two places in San Diego that have the most murals of anywhere. One is OB and I can't remember what the other one is. Barrio Logan maybe. So, uh, so we did. First thing I did, I went to Pastor Mike. First thing I got there, said, hey, can I paint a mural on our building? And, like, well, that sounds weird. We haven't done that anywhere else yet, but yeah, go ahead. And uh, so we did, and I just thought, how cool, maybe we can add some beauty to the town. And it'd be fun to be known as, hey, aren't you the church with the mural? Uh, and we are known as that now, which is cool. And no joke, people literally like stop during the week and, and just get their picture taken in front of this. And we purposely did one that celebrates all the, highlight, the best parts of the town. I don't need all our religious symbolism on it. They'll meet Jesus when they come inside. I don't need it out there right now. I just want to show them we're here to bless the town. And so we wanted to add to the beauty of it. The other thing is I tried to do what Paul did, walked around and looked carefully. I try walk around OB. Notice there's little like garden boxes in some of the sidewalks and they, uh, and they grow. Uh, you literally can just walk by and just pick like a strawberry out of it or peppers or jalapenos and just kind of eat them. I hope that's all that's growing in most of them, but I can't be totally sure. Uh, I guess you never know an OB. But uh, so I thought, oh man, we totally need those. And I thought of that passage in Jeremiah, and I don't know if you can tell, but we have not painted on the side, plant gardens and eat what they produce. We're trying to literally live out Jeremiah 29. These were built, by the way, by a men's group from Tier Santa, So thank you for that. But we, uh, so we, so we have that out. Then, you know, as I'm thinking about just the identity, people love it. You know, we're retro and, you know, VW buses everywhere and all this kind of stuff. And I walked around and the other thing I, I see walk around is hodads, right? That's a big deal there. Uh, it's literally like a gift from God to have that kind of food. But uh, although I always feel awkward praying, bless this food to my body. And God's like, I ain't going to bless that. That's not healthy for you at all. <laughs> I know, sorry God. But uh, but Hodad, so you go there and and they'll always give you stickers, right? Because that's great marketing. They got Hodad stickers like all over the place, kind of part of the fabric of the town. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if a church could actually have a sticker cool enough that people would want to have and then actually like put up everywhere just to add to kind of the identity and culture of the town. So someone more talented than me from New Break designed this one a while back. And, uh, and for five years, we've been giving this out. We give it to, to new attenders, and uh, we'll give one to you if you come down and visit. And we give it in all the, the street fairs and all the stuff that we go to. And uh, you know you can see them now kind of plastered around sometimes. And it's just about you know just trying to add of this this beauty and values. You listen to the town. You know, coffee at church on Sunday. We're not serving Starbucks, and we're not serving from, from Costco. We're serving local OB beans. You know, because you gotta you gotta be be local. And that speaks a lot to people. And so, uh, so for you, how can you listen where you're at? How can you listen now? what do they need? What are they celebrating? Where are they hurting? Because it's not always uh, what. What, what you would think, and there's always a way to tie in the gospel to it. As I asked the question, what do people in OB celebrate? Let me just tell you real quick. Uh, this is pretty cool, because 365 nights of the year, a liturgy happens right in the town of OB, as some of you probably participated. As people kind of drop everything they're doing, and they go to the cliffs, or the beach, or the pier, or the bars and restaurants, and they set everything down, and they stand, and they worship creation, and then they take photos of it, and then they post it for everybody to see, because they go watch the sunset. And I love that. And I love, is, I love that people are worshiping creation. You know what? Because I think when Paul said, so I noticed that you're worshiping an unknown God. Let me tell you about this guy. I noticed you're worshiping creation. You can know the creator. Yeah. We can tie people to the creator as they do that. And so that's why we ask, what do they celebrate? And, you know, our town celebrates uh, music, so we host open might night and do all that and see who comes and see what it's like it's just all about listening and tying it in and uh as as paul did that part of what's cool is look what it did it built big time trust if paul just showed up and started doing crazy ideas that don't make sense there or just kind of preaching judgment they'd kick him out of the town but instead they say come with us will you come with us to the town council because we really want them to hear more of this message you're talking about message of God the mission of God that he's actually putting the world back together and restoring it to look like it was meant to be that actually draws people in and so it did and so that earned trust for Paul that's why he went on to write one of my favorite things ever for sure Philippians 4 4 he says make it as clear as you can to everyone that you meet that you're working with them and not against them that you're on their side That's so powerful Again, I don't know if Christ followers are known for that. For a little while, at least in the media anyway, we're only known as everything we're against. What's the next thing the Christians are going to pick it and boycott? I'm not saying there's not a time and place for that, but do people know that we're with them and for them? Does not mean I approve of everything they do? I don't have to be for every. I mean, Paul wasn't a fan of everything they believed in, but he could say, but, but I'm with you as a person. I'm with you in understanding that God wants to bring more knowledge here, more beauty here to Athens. So we let people know that we're with and we're for them. And that's a, that's a powerful thing that we can do. And when we do it, uh, I just wanted you to know, I mean, I've, I've seen God really open doors and use that and we, uh, as we show them that we're for them. I want our local businesses to know that we're for them and our artists, our musicians, the first responders, the lifeguards, all that stuff. And we want them to know that here in, in Tears Santa as well. And just to show you the power that this is possible, if you're doing this, God can open up the doors and get people to actually trust you as a church, as Christ followers, even when they normally wouldn't. So I just wanted to show you this, and uh, I'm not trying to, like, brag about our awards or anything. I felt awkward showing it to you, but I just really wanted you to see this phrase here, right? It's one of the ones that we got a couple years ago. And it says this, you know, congrats to New Break, for taking a proactive and positive role in the community to make it a better place. Yeah. That's what Jesus follower meant to do. Thanks. Uh, and just so you know, what's cool here is Danny here got to go receive an award for you from the Kiwanis Club in Tierra Santa. Because you are also making it a better place. Beginning to, right? And I mean, that's powerful. That's what makes people say, we, we're going to miss those guys because they make us a better place. And that's what draws them in. Oh, Okay. So that church doesn't just exist for itself, a little, little country club. They're about the things we're about. They want to make our town better, so do we. And we did that, and again, you can do that just with that simple question, armed with that question. What do you want me to do for you? Two quick examples. One, uh, we went to the police department. Western Division is the one that serves us. And I'll be honest, I don't have a great strategy. I'm not smart enough to know. I mean, what could a church do for a police department? I don't know. I mean... Throw an appreciation barbecue, send them a chaplain or something, right? I really have no idea. But I'm just armed with this question, hey, what do you want us to do for you? And their answers are stuff I would never come up with. First thing, they said to me, well, we have the most run-down division of all of them in San Diego and city budget never has money for us and it hurts the morale of the guys. And I just have always wished that we could remodel or at least repaint this place. All right, well, I'm not good at painting, but I know people who are, so we'll gather volunteers. And so we brought a bunch of volunteers and kind of redid their whole break room, repainted the entire inside, a little bit outside, put a mural in their lobby. Even if you walk in these days, it's even in there. So did all that. So it's great. They're so grateful. Thank you. And then I asked again, so what do you want me to do for you? And I didn't know this. Maybe you knew this, but they said, well, all our police cars vehicles, I mean, they get like a general wash, but they never get washed and waxed except one time of the year and that's whenever there's a tragedy, and they have to be in a funeral procession going through town, right? It's pretty sad. Do you think about that? Like, you know, the the idea of your car being clean is only tied when there's terrible tragedy, so I said, you know, would you come wash and wax our cars? I said, I can do that, right? Because churches, we know how to rally volunteers together, so Uh, five different times now. We've gone to Western Vision, their location, and it turns out with enough people and a few hours on a Saturday morning, you can wash 50, 60 vehicles. And uh, I got really good at like wax on, wax off. I was doing that kind of all day. So it's pretty good. And uh, so we did all that. What's fun with that one is we have like, you know, people can bring their kids to help. Uh, By the way, we're kind of into child labor and OB, so that's okay. (laughs) Which is weird because my wife's in HR, so I should know the child labor laws, but I just kind of ignore them. I mean, I think kids need to earn their keep. I mean, they're always taking, taking. So... We, uh, so we put them to work. No, but, uh, so they loved it. And then what's cool, the police said, well, you're not really allowed to clean the inside of the car because we don't trust you to touch all our equipment, which is true. And uh, no, so I thought, well, then what could we do to help with that? So instead we put a little gift bag in every single car and it has some Armor All wipes so they can do it. And then it has one of our stickers. And so it'll be cool to see uh, San Diego police cars driving around with a little new brake OV sticker on the back. By the way, in case you're wondering if that would get you out of a ticket telling a police officer that you wash and wax their car, turns out it doesn't, so I'm just <laughs> saying. Uh, I mean, because a friend of mine uh, tried that once. It didn't work for him. Um, no, but, you know, so we, so we, uh, so we did that, just kind of uh, asking how to do it. The other place was uh, Ob Elementary School. You guys do a lot with local tier Santa schools, so keep it up, man. Imagine if every church in America took care of one school in their town, how much better all our churches would be, and so, and it's so fun to do it with public schools, right, so we went to OB Elementary Public School, just two blocks from our campus, what do you want me to do for you, and guess what his answer came back, it was painting again, and I'm like, God, why is it always painting, that is not, no joke, like eight of the things we've done to bless our town has been painting different places, and now I'm like, forget seminary, I just want to go back to school and learn painting, and gardening, because that's how you go do the work of Jesus, really, so... If you have those skills, we need you. So I'm like, okay, yeah. So we painted a whole bunch at the school. And then we're like, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm like, well, we've always wanted to have a fall festival for our kids. But we actually don't know how. And we don't own any games. And I'm like, oh, well, we put on stuff for kids 52 weeks out of the year. So, you know, we're kind of good at it. And so, uh, so we came, put on their first ever fall festival. And they just had their sixth year one in a row two weeks ago. And we were there. Now it's huge. And we play like one part. And I love it. And principal always told me, you know, Carter, we would have never got this off the ground if you guys haven't done that the first year. And so, but, you know, you see this stuff. And so, you know, we bring their teachers lunch and we donate them backpacks. And, but all this stuff is, a, what do you want me to do for you? You could ask that. By the way, God God can literally just change your mind. I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. Like any restaurant or store I even go into now in OB, I'm, I'm literally looking around going, I wonder what they need in here. Like I am might say, I wonder if they need any painting in here. I wonder... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe their bathrooms need remodeled. But I mean, literally, God can change your mind to think wherever you go, just like, I wonder how we could bless them. Part of what helps us do that, by the way, the other learning in this, is you need to learn and understand what do we bring to the table as a church and what do you individually, because otherwise you're just like, well, I don't know how to help with that. I mean, again, I would have never thought, well, how can we help a public school or a police department? We got to realize what you bring to the table. I read this really sobering survey a year ago and it was all these mayors of all these towns and they were asked, all right, if you had the opportunity to open one of two things in your town, what would you pick? Either a church in your town or open a new Denny's restaurant. No joke. So they asked, do you want a church or a Denny's? Most of them said, I'd rather have a Denny's. Wow. I don't blame them. You know why? They said because Denny's employs people, it feeds people, it gives people a place to hang out. You know, they sponsor our little league teams. And, you know, they're just a place that anyone can go into in the community, actually, 24-7, right? And they can go in all the, all the time. Plus, I mean, Grand Slam Breakfast, how do you compete with that? But, uh, no, but, right, so they said that. And it's like, wouldn't it be awesome if people could say, well, no, I mean, yeah, I have a church because they share their building. They feed people. We know how to feed people, right? They give people a place to hang out and connect. They add to the value of our place. But listen, we bring a lot to the table, all right? There's a lot of things we can't do businesses can do there's a lot we can do that I'm telling you almost nobody else does you know offering to volunteer for places man I've seen even the places that want nothing to do with churches they're so dying for volunteers they will absolutely say yes because they just want help we bring uh knowing how to how to minister to families knowing how to put on things that are just fun and engaging for kids we do it all the time thanks to incredible kids ministry. We know how to deal with teenagers. I'm telling you, most people out there, they're scared to death of teenagers. A lot of us in here are too, right? But we have groups of people that know how to do that. You know what else we bring to the table is our buildings. We can share them and the town needs them. I literally heard someone in our OB town council say, it's such a shame that the biggest buildings in Ocean Beach are all churches you know, because it's true, and I know what they mean, because they're like, they're thinking country club, right, they're only used on Sunday, and all week long, you know, they sit empty, and so we've really tried from the start to share our building, be really generous, we, you know, we have a preschool that's 12 hours a day in there, Monday through Friday, and, you know, it has a waiting list, which is cool, and a mostly unchurched family, so, so, you know, the building's really being used all week long, but we posted all kinds of stuff, and the OB town council last summer, they needed somewhere for their 50-year anniversary party, and they just couldn't find like a, you know, like a big enough place or a place that would let them rent it out because most restaurants wouldn't. So they came to ours. I had like every town council and business owner in our courtyard at our building. Most of them had never seen it, even though we we're like a few blocks from the main street. And they're like, your place is really cool. I'm like, I know. You should come by once in a while. It's pretty cool. No, I didn't say that. But uh, they're also like blown away. This place is so cool. And one of the guys in the town council literally said to me, he said, I got to be honest, Carter, we've had a pretty pretty rough relationship with churches over the years, but you're helping change that. I'm like, cool. Good, right? Like, God will use that. So, so, you know, so we hosted something for them. And one of the parties they do every month for business owners, we hosted one. And I wanted to make ours different. And so, we did, um, like, stand-up comedy at ours instead of just the normal stuff, uh, and, I, I, and I tried it too. But so we did some of that, and uh, they said, I think this is the best one we've ever had. I said, good, you know why? Because Christians should throw the best parties. Huh? I mean, we should be the best at that. And so, so we did that, and two weeks ago, we just had, our, our building was full, every chair, and people are singing and clapping music like we just did, and they're entirely unchurched people. Amen. And we were hosting the San Diego Independent Music Awards Hall of Fame kind of thing, and so... And it's for this guy that used to be a grumpy neighbor that yelled at us for using all the parking spots. Uh, but when you lead with, what would you like me to do for you? Right, God, can, God can do that powerful stuff. So that's what, that's what we bring to the church as life groups or uh, to the table, as life groups or as a church. And what do you bring to the table? That's a whole other sermon. We don't have time for that. But I just challenge you to can keep discovering how are you wired up. We'd love to help you with that. What spiritual gifts, what talents do you have? I'm going to be honest. I don't think San Diego needs all that many more pastors because uh, we, we don't have a lot of skills outside of here. But what we really need is a lot more painters and gardeners and accountants and mechanics and people that are good with kids and good with teenagers and good with money. That's what we need. Is You can go be the force of blessing everywhere. What do you bring to the table that God could use? And please don't ever underestimate that, uh, that the opportunities are too small. You may say, Carter, I went and asked somebody, what can I do for them? And They just wanted me to like watch their kid for a couple hours. Hey, that's huge. It'd be a blessing. They just need me to bring cookies or gift card. That's powerful. Part of what God taught me is when you're faithful with little, uh, he, he entrusts you with more. One last OB story real quick, if I can. Uh, we, when I went to OB Main Street Association, said, what would you like me to do for you? And I'll be honest, as pastors, we're always hoping the answer is going to be something really inspiring, like, you know, all the orphans in our town need teddy bears. And be like, yay, because I love, I love to stand on stage. And we'll all get behind that, right? And so instead, I asked, what would you like me to do for you? And no joke, they said, we uh, have never been able to find people to go up and down our Main Street, Newport, and scrape all of the stickers off of the ashtrays wow, all right, well, that's going to be a tough vision to cast in front of my people on a Sunday, but uh, all right, yes, we'll do it, we're in, we'll try, and uh, so I tried, we did find some good, faithful kind of servant people willing to do that, so we did that, their next couple projects for us was, le- like, behind the scenes, just little, like, kind of using your hands and feet, put up, you know, hang this stuff in the town at 6 a.m. when nobody's watching, I me. Mean, all this kind of stuff, and, uh, I'll be honest, being honest, I wasn't going, yes, I so love, we're participating in the mission of Jesus. While we're doing it, as a pastor, I'm just going, man, God, am I totally off track? I mean, are we, like, wasting our time in these little things? Like, I don't know if anybody's finding Jesus from doing this. Then God brought the big opportunity, the main landmark in our town is the OB Pier. Some of you have seen it, and on the end is this this really cool little cafe. They got a big cafe sign that's in all the pictures. The owner of that cafe came to the OB Main Street Association, and he said, so, you know, my place is really falling apart and running down, but I don't have the money, and the city won't give me the money to do it, like, you know, I mean, what, what can we do, do you guys have any ideas, and no joke, they will be Main Street, first thing they said, well, you should go talk to New Break Church, because those guys are always looking for places to help, that's what they said, so the guy called me, and he said, hey, I need some painting, and I'm like, not again, God, (laughs) why Jesus, can I do something I'm good at? I'm tired of always painting. But uh, no, it's all right. So we gathered a bunch of people and we went over there uh, a few years ago. And what was cool, like, you know, I thought it's just kind of painting the inside. He's like, by the way, can you redo my whole sign, this iconic sign? He wanted a flag, and I'm like, well, we don't really know how to do it. We literally just made that up that day and tried to figure out how to do that. And it's still painted like that if you go down there. And uh, so that was at one of those kind of sexier opportunities, like the radio station was there and the TV and all this kind of stuff. And God taught me afterwards, because I'm slow sometimes, that, see, Carter, when you're faithful with little, I entrust you with the bigger stuff, right? Like in parable of the talents. And so, listen, if you're faithful with, with any little opportunity, none of them are little. So what little one do you know about right now? Because when you're faithful to bless people in that, God will keep opening up the doors. Never underestimate the impact of what he's doing. I underestimated it. I still struggle sometimes. Like, is this the right thing, God? Now I've tried to learn. Let's just do it. If it's something that Jesus would do, and he washed some pretty nasty feet, so I think scraping stickers off ashtrays is probably something he would be willing to do. If it's something he would do, then I say, just do it and trust God with the results. And I've had to do that. God's taught me a lot. Uh, for a while, I thought, well, I guess what we're doing isn't working because no one from the police department is coming to my church yet. And actually, kind of almost nobody, there's one teacher, but kind of nobody from Ob Elementary School is coming to our church yet. And God just laughed at me. and go, are your vision's so small? You thought your target audience was these people you're serving. But it's way bigger. So part of who God's reaching is the unchurch that we get to serve alongside. That's pretty cool. Imagine if someone's first taste of Jesus wasn't having to sit here and listen to some guy talk at them. It's that they actually are participating in God's mission of putting the world back together and bringing a blessing into it, and they don't even know it. And so it's all the unchurch that are serving. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's all the new people. Honestly, the number one way people have found our church and started coming uh, it's not because of parking. I asked Pastor Mike, how am I supposed to grow this? There's five parking spots here. So I don't know how the heck you grow a church with that. You better hope a lot of people skateboard and, and bike and walk to church. Uh, and they do. But uh, uh, so, and you know, we did not spend money on marketing. And we definitely don't draw people there because of the preaching, because it's not really that good. So I'm like, how are we going to grow this church? And uh, honestly, about 80% of newcomers ask them, how, how'd you find out about us? How'd you hear about us? They say, I just always hear all the cool stuff you guys are doing in the community and i like that oh okay so that's the fruit of what god's doing right so much bigger Remember, it's not always just the people that we're serving never underestimate we can't do it because it's a marketing ploy or it's i do this for you now you better come to church for me i do it because jesus would do it and then he works all this stuff right just even kind of bigger than what i would think all right, let's make this super practical before we're done, because I don't want you to just hear this and go, "That's awesome." You, I cheer you on, keep doing that, no B, and you know, go, go Kamar and go Danny, you know, keep doing the stuff that you're doing here. Uh, although, by the way, trunk or treat, incredible job, you guys reached 4,000 people, and uh, that was awesome. Seriously, celebrate Kamar because she's incredible. And there were a bunch of unchurched that were actually serving and doing trunks. So, I mean, so cool. And some of them actually did come to church. So definitely uh, high-five Kamara out there. She bleeds this stuff, and so does Pastor Mike, and so does Danny. So we've had great conversations. But I don't want you to just hear that and go, good. I hope you guys keep coming up with great outreaches for us. All right? We will. We'll keep working on it. But the way we're going to become a, a movement of blessing in San Diego is, and this is my dream for, for OB and for you guys, is that, that all of us start doing it. Because you're actually out there. You live and work and hang out in places that us church staff don't. And you bring gifts to the table that we don't. And so here's a really practical way. Just bring it home. Make it personal. This was helpful to me. Just not as a pastor. Just as a Jesus follower. Because you can wake up every day and do any one of these five practices. One is belong. Uh, actually like start to see the place I live that God sent me here. I pray for it. I seek its peace prosperity. I challenge you to belong by adopt a coffee shop and a restaurant that you're going to frequent, you're allowed to visit some other places, but spend a lot of time at those, because you'll get to know people there, and God will really use you, belong, right, care about where I'm at, listen, we talked a ton about that, eating with people, that's my favorite one, but uh, because, because you know the power of eating, right, if I were to invite you over to my house for dinner, I'm sorry, I don't have time to invite everybody, but if we ever got to do that, instantly our relationship jumps huge leaps ahead over us just saying hi on a Sunday, why, because we just sat across the table, yeah, Right? Relationship goes a long way. That must be why Jesus did that so much, so much. So by you eating with someone at your workplace or a neighbor or having coffee or in your community, you will get to listen. And as you listen and eat, you're going to learn how to best serve. That's how you know. I don't come in with my ideas. I show up and say, What would you like me to do for you? And now you know how to bring blessing and serve them. And then as you do that, I absolutely believe God will open up the opportunity for you to share your God stories with them. And really what we're doing is flipping the whole thing upside down. I was raised a Christian to believe you start with this. I start by telling people what they need to know, right? So I tell, tell, tell. Tell them everything about God first. And I usually don't really end up probably ever serving them. I might listen to them a little bit. That's it. But Jesus is always flipping things up on its head. That's the kingdom of God. And he says, like he did with Zacchaeus and lots of other people, well, what if you actually just ate with them and hung out and listened, and now you know how to serve, and then you bring the gospel in a way that makes sense. And so you can do that. You can do that. We don't need to just be a church with an outreach ministry. We want to just be the blessing and the mission of God. By the way, just to wrap up Paul's story, so he did this, right? So how did it turn out? Well, check it out. When they heard about the resurrection, some of them sneered, some of them just laughed him off, and others, won, uh, others said, I really want to hear more. Others are drawn into Jesus. That exact same thing is what's going to happen when you do this. You're going to do some things, and you'll be like, well, Carter, I did it, and nobody responded. Yeah, you already knew that was coming. It didn't. Not, not everybody responded right away. Of course, we don't know what God's doing behind the scenes, but some will be drawn to Jesus. You know, Jesus experienced that, by the way. He, he actually blessed 10 different lepers one time, and only one out of 10 actually decided to come and kind of follow him. That's only a 10% success rate, Jesus. You can do better than that, right? But he does it because he's not doing it as like a transaction. He's just blessing people. Maybe that's why he said only one out of four soils is going to be fruitful. So as you're out doing this, don't get discouraged. You go, yeah, I know. some people are going to sneer, laugh it off, and some people are going to want to know more about Jesus. It's just messy, and, but we just do it because that's what Jesus does. And so this last thing I'll show you, that's why it helped me. I had to, I had to fix my understanding of Jesus saying, uh, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of people. Again, he's reiterating our mission of blessing. And now i am end with this. You know, my whole life I heard that, that story in that verse, and I don't know about you, but I always picture fishing for people. I bait my hook, I cast the line, and then, I, and then I reel them in, right? We reel them in. We even use that language, reel them in, bait and switch, all this kind of stuff. That's not what they were doing fishing, right? That's not the picture that came to their mind. Because how did they fish? They had giant nets and they drag them, right? And when you drag your nets and then they pull them up and then first thing you do is you got to pull out like the old boot and the tin can, right? Because there's always some of the garbage in there and then there's the fish. And so God isn't telling you go bait your hook and then try to hook them in. He says, drag your net of blessing, all over your town, and some of what you get, you know, I don't use that right now, and then you'll see what comes out of that, and so that helped me just embrace just the messiness, to say, yeah, God, just, just ignite my missional imagination, because the, the, where this is actually fun is you get to dream up new ways of being the church, and of blessing people, and living out the mission of God. You don't have to sit on the sidelines and go, I wonder what Danny and Kamara are going to come up with next. You get to dream up. You have permission to just go do it. Just go listen and just bless and drag the nets and see what God brings up and He wants us to be that powerful force of blessing. In fact, I'd love to pray that over you so let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that you include us in your mission of putting this world back together in our little corner of the world. I thank you that we live here right now. Some of us have been here forever and some for a little bit but help us at least leave today knowing you said go and you put us here for a reason. And while we're here, you want to use us to be a blessing. So use us each in the places that we live and work and go to school and hang out because if we got a whole little movement of Jesus followers and all these different little nooks and crannies of Santa and of Ocean Beach and of San Diego, then you're going to bring blessing in all those places. Let us be a movement of that. Let people be so compelled that we're being the hands and feet of Jesus that they just want to learn more. They can't deny you. Lastly, we pray the very words of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done here in Santa as it is in heaven. God. Here in San Diego as it is in heaven. Help us show people a taste of what heaven was meant to be like. So bring it through us. We pray in your name. Jesus, in your name we seek the peace and prosperity of our town and pray for it. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Really, God, you're here today. I hope God did something in you.